that energy ripples off onto everybody next to you, you know, that's, Mm -hmm. it's infectious. It's truly, it's true love. It's true joy. It's passion. And I think that when you're really focusing on that, it is a special kind of thing that it can't be tamed. So, and people can't take that away from you either. So just know that you deserve to love your own fears. They're part of you. Goodness gracious. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I feel like my whole world, my heart just like. (laughs) Welcome your majesty to the Princess Project Podcast. I'm your host, Cassidy Cagney, and I'm an LA princess. For what is a princess if not a leader? And what is a leader if not someone who advocates for change? Here to empower, equip, and inspire our future feminine leaders. This kingdom welcomes royals of all kinds. So whether you're a prince or a princess, a king or a queen, or any royal in between, put on your crown and pull up your seat, for the podcast is about to begin. Welcome, Your Majesty, to the Princess Project Podcast. I am so happy you found your way back to the kingdom this week. We've got another beautiful episode for you. I have the pixie princess Claire Lorraine joining us today. I am so thrilled to have you meet her. She was so generous with me being willing to do a demo for this podcast when we were first getting it up on its feet. And we've been planning this episode (laughs) she was the first person I thought of um when I thought hmm who should I have on my podcast she we have been friends for uh, I think I think we did the math something like six years and she is a wise woman I go to her for advice and comfort and learning I really do she has taught me so many things about myself about the world and about the universe, about other people. She's one of the most um, constant relationships that I have had the privilege to have in my life. And I have learned so much about friendship from her and love and all that good stuff. She is a Reiki master. She's a yoga teacher. She is an actress or in a past life, she was an actress. She is a musician. She is One of my favorite hippies that I will ever, ever meet. She has taught me how to prioritize friendship. And she has also helped me to embrace myself in so many ways. I just can't wait to introduce you to her. And you can embrace some of her wisdom as well. Also, I know I have a cold. (laughs) I feel a lot better as I'm recording this intro and outro. Um, Because it's a few days after the episode was recorded. But on said recording day, my was I congested. (laughs) So do forgive me. I sound a little bit weird. I probably still sound a little bit, uh, balloony. But I feel much better now. And we all get sick sometimes. It's important to still show up even when you're feeling down. So... Without any further ado, thank you for joining us, and may I introduce Claire Lorraine. Hello, Claire. Nice to see you. Hey, Cass. What's up? Welcome to the Kingdom of the Princess Project podcast. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I'm so happy that we get to finally have you on. Um, we were going to have you be my first guest when we were working out like demo real stuff and things like that. And then we're like, let's just like fire the podcast all by ourselves. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so I'm so glad that we finally had you here. Cause I feel like we've been planning this episode for like a while. Most definitely. Yeah. Who are you, my friend? Tell us a little, tell our viewers a little bit about you before we get going here. Yeah. So I would say I guess I'm a human. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm also a healer, yoga teacher. I've done a 300-hour yoga teacher training, Reiki practitioner slash master, singer, a songstress, a channeler Mm -hmm. of many different things. 
so yeah, lots of lots of different stuff. But at the end of the day, just trying to be a real ass human. Oh, I love <laughs> I'm it. not I'm trying to make uh, spiritual concepts be approachable and accessible, um, especially for communities um, of color and for LGBTQ plus communities, trying to share these nuggets of knowledge that I've been so lucky to learn as a cis white woman um, and really tap into how that can help um, the communities that really need it and fucking deserve it. Hell yeah. And you've been a huge source for me. You've taught me so much. Like, it's always funny thinking that you're younger than me because I never you're I feel like you're so much wiser than me all the time. (laughs) And and you're just someone I look up to so much. Age doesn't matter, but um yeah you're like one of my best friends ever we've known each other for how long we've known each other probably since I was like 13 and we did I'm the 20- math like last yeah weekend, yeah and I'm like 21 now so definitely like for like six years Whoa. I think yeah that's so gnarly or, we were such like babies seven, yeah like six or seven years I was a freshman in college and you were going into your sophomore year of high school or freshman year I think I was going into my sophomore year of high school. So I think it was 14. So that makes sense if it was. Yeah. You know, what's so beautiful about our friendship, I think, is that we have really watched each other grow a lot. But for sure, your core of like who you are as a person, you've always been so authentic and prioritizing um yourself and like what you needed since we've known each other for so long and we really were budding I would want to say like I was beginning my college I was really beginning my adulthood I think uh and you were beginning your high school experience your like teenage um your teenage years right yeah and then now still being friends you know, we just celebrated your 21st birthday, but you're still so you've always been so true to who you are that, yeah, you've changed and you've grown, but because you've allowed yourself to be authentic the entire time, you're very much Claire. You know what I mean? For sure. Like you yeah. never, you never got like washed up in, um, I don't know. Like I got washed up in other people's personalities. Mm. I heavily, yeah. Especially that first year of college when I was dating, um, dating a very traditional conservative Christian man. Yeah. LOL, LOL, LOL. (laughs) And then I decided to date people. I, and then after him in college, and I know you remember, I just decided to date whoever was meanest to me. (laughs) (laughs) Men, women, if you were the meanest person to me, I was like, you're hot. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> and I, you know, I, I remember being there with you through that. And I think at the end of the day, like, I remember when we did another show together after, um, I graduated high school and after you had just graduated college mm-hmm. and it really seemed like you had finally like tapped into your own self-worth. It's not that you never saw yourself as worthy or like saw yourself as like the beautiful human you are, but I really think you finally started to like really truly see that and like value yourself for like the the being you are you know oh you're dissuaded (laughs) so I don't really I don't really think that you know you were intentionally choosing people that like really were mean to you I think that it's just like that's where you were and maybe you were low-key being really hard on yourself and those were the kind of people that you were calling in yeah I always thought that like especially in that time of my life when I was dating mean bitter negative people that um if I could make the meanest grouchiest person in the room like me Mm. they liked me then that made me really special Mm. but like in actuality like oh yeah it's not always it's not true yeah and there's I just had this warped idea yeah and I think you probably just came to the realization that you're never going to be able to make everybody like you. And I think that's also like shown in your evolution with your like theatrical endeavors and like the way that you're stepping into, you know, having this platform and like sharing your gifts in other ways, aside from relying on the big man to give you the role to share your gift. 
Yeah. And I still am struggling with that so hardcore. Um, as I'm now about to get married and wedding planning and all that, that stuff, just trying, I've really fallen back into bad habits about, um, trying to get everyone to like me and making Mm -hmm. everybody happy and not, not prioritizing myself. Um, so as far as my self-worth and my self-actualization, I definitely feel like in my career and in academia and in my professional pursuits, I have, I have done that and been like really true to myself, but now doing that on a much more personal level, it's, it's like a, it's definitely something I'm still working through. Yeah. And that's like so understandable. I think like when we're in our most interpersonal and like deep relationships, it can kind of be hard to entirely not want to people please, not want to, you know, show up for somebody maybe a little more than you're showing up for yourself. Because as somebody who is speaking of myself, like as somebody who is kind of an overachiever, a hard worker, Um, it's been hard for me to do that in my personal relationships too. But Mm -hmm. I think as time's gone on and like, I've obviously like done therapy and really like realized what was my truth and what was important to me. I was able to come home to the fact that, you know, you're never going to be able to make everybody feel some type of way, the Mm -hmm. way that you're envisioning they're going to feel. You can just be your truest self in every every moment and hope that that's going to be enough. And if it's not, that's clearly a reflection of whatever that person's going through because you are enough at the end of the day. Right. So I guess it was just surprising for me recently, like within within the last month, because I thought, I thought I was done. I thought I had done all that work. I thought I had healed all the way, gotten to the other side and that I wasn't going to be a people pleaser anymore. And Um, that I had worked on it enough and now realizing, especially within the last couple days, I, I still have a a lot of, um, I still need to be aware of that. And those are still wounds and patterns that negatively affect me. Things like perfectionism and people pleasing. For sure. And I think it's, um, learning to not try to delete those qualities about yourself, but learning the tools to help you navigate those Mm -hmm. qualities. And I think that's what is long-term going to be the most beneficial for people that do struggle with perfectionism and being an overachiever is learning the tools um, to help navigate this, the decision-making that comes along with being this type of person and also like the situation mitigating so definitely, like I said, therapy and also just learning how I work as the kind of perfectionist I am. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like it's never enough, but truthfully, like it's just for me repeating the affirmation, like I am enough. I am right. worthy. I'm worthy of this experience. Like I am creating something that is, you know, worth something and I am worthy. So just like those reminders are really helpful to me and also just being able to catch when you're in this kind of mental pattern that isn't serving you, you know, and also the fact that you're even noticing that you're people pleasing or falling into these cycles is proof that you're doing the work in itself. Most people would just be in this repetitive cycle that's really bringing them down and really dampening their spirit and their energy. But the fact that there's even the notice of it is really a big deal. So like, congratulate yourself for that in a sense, because. Oh my gosh. That's so sweet. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think the fact that you're even noticing is a big deal. And in our society, they act like even just noticing is like, oh, well, you know, that's really not enough, but it, it's, it is. It's it definitely is. It a means first you're doing step this- at least. And it's not right. like it's easy. No. And you're being honest with yourself. If you weren't being honest with yourself, then, you know, there would be some problems, but 
and being honest with yourself doesn't like feel good all the time like I was disappointed (laughs) in myself that like oh I guess I'm not the person totally the person that I thought I was I'm not totally as healed or as put together as I thought I was and I gotta like I gotta like shape up and reevaluate myself um which is not a thought that I've had in a while and yeah it was disappointing but at the same time now I'm human it's fine right it's fine knowing that it's a journey like I know people always say it's like you know, you're always going to be up and then you're always going to be down. And it's kind of a lame saying, but it's very true because I, I was actually talking to a yoga student the other day and she was like, I just really for a month want to focus on like myself, myself healing and my self-love. And I said, that's amazing. Like come to yoga, like have that be your intention, but know that like the journey doesn't stop after a month. Mm-hmm. It's going to be something you're focusing on for the rest of your life. And that's why I was saying with the overachieving and the perfectionism, it's about finding those tools to help you navigate those difficult situations where those parts of yourself really want to kick in. And it's the same thing with, you know, being on your healing journey and noticing these things is knowing that you have these tools to help you and really finding the strength within yourself to reach for those tools when you are at your you know, darkest place or you're most confused or you're feeling like you're in a transition that's really difficult to mitigate, navigate. So I really think that it's just about knowing that these tools are out there. You are worthy of learning ways to help yourself, love yourself and understand that what you're going through and how you're feeling doesn't mean you're set back in any way. It just means that you're, you're growing and you're going through a different situation and that's good. Speaking of those tools, I think that's one of the reasons why you are one of the most wise people that I know. Um, And you're always someone I come to for both comfort and advice because your toolbox is something else, you know, (laughs) you have explored so many avenues that you can call upon anytime that you need them. You know, like you are a certified yoga instructor Reiki professional, would it be Reiki practitioner? Yeah, Reiki, Reiki practitioner. Master. Reiki master is what they like call it when you get your master done. But like I call it Reiki practitioner because I don't really like the word master, lol. But you are technically, <laughs> right? Yeah, technically on the certificate, yes. <laughs> and then even exploring things like herbalism, uh, tea and uh, and the, the crystal magic Um, and, and the fun of researching those kinds of things too, all of those are tools in your toolbox that have helped you through, um, getting to know yourself, self love and self-improvement. Most definitely. Yeah. So which one do you think, um, which tool in your toolbox do you find yourself drawing on most as of recently? I think just focusing on my breath. I think it can be as simple as that. You don't have to go out and buy a crystal or buy herbs or pay $200 to go to yoga classes. You literally can just focus on your breathing, focus on your pranayama, which is what they call breath in yoga, um, and really help nourish and replenish your nervous system just by your breath. It's something you always have with you. It's something that's always accessible. And I think that that's why yoga is a profound thing for a lot of people, because it does help them tap into that kind of breath that maybe they haven't experienced before, or just even focusing in on the breath is something that's really powerful. And so recently when I have experienced moments of anxiety, overwhelm, decision fatigue, just consciously choosing, like, I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm not going to let this consume my being entirely. And the things are going to move on. Yeah, totally. So when it comes to breath work, because, you know, you and I are both professionally trained actresses. And um, in a lot of, especially movement classes and voice classes, we do talk about the breath so much. And there's this term thrown around, um, breath work. Mm -hmm. But when I exited, um, theatrical education, 
And I went home, you know, having my normal quote, normal life. And I looked up breath work during a period of, um, intense anxiety. I remember it was a while ago and maybe I didn't research it as much as I should have, but I Googled or whatever, just breath work. And I wasn't able to find any resources. So when we talk about the breath and breath work, one, um, what does that kind of practice look like in a solitary way? And where can people find information about it? Because I had a really hard time, even to the point of just kind of given up on quote breath work. For sure. I think that the term breath work um, is kind of thrown around quite a bit, especially in the theatrical and the uh, spiritual communities. Um, so I think really, if you are looking for solid resources on how to like tap into your breath, I would say you can go to a yoga class. Um, if you're wanting to keep it chill, you can go to a yin yoga class or a slow flow yoga class. Um, those will be primarily focusing on breath to breath movements, mm. and you'll also be getting some time to hold postures and stretch in each movement. So you're not feeling rushed. Um, and you're feeling like you can sit into each posture, breathe, take your time. If you're feeling like you need something that's going to expand your energy and get some, some energy, excess energy out, I would say you could go to a vinyasa yoga class to really get your breath moving and your blood moving. Um, but I would say those are great resources that you can look up on YouTube. You can look up Hatha yoga class, yin yoga class, or slow flow if you're wanting something more chill. Mm -hmm. And then if you're wanting to focus on your breath and really get things moving, get things flowing, I would say try a vinyasa class. Um, so those are great resources you can pull up online, but also that's you can... really good to know. Cause I don't know what, what any of those words mean Yeah, <laughs> when I go okay. online and I look for a, a yoga class, I have seen those words before, but I have yeah. no idea what they mean. So that's for really good. Sure. Totally. So those are some different kinds of yoga classes you can check out for resources, YouTube free, amazing. Um, yoga with Adrian is great. Oh, I love also... her. She's great. And you can oh, also I look her. up um, just like a mindful meditation. They'll guide you through probably what we call like box breathing, which will be breathing in right. for four seconds, holding for four seconds, exhaling for four seconds and holding for four seconds. And that's they do that in the military too. Right. That was the only piece do. of breath work I could remember after <laughs> years of yoga and acting training right. box breath that was it and I thought there's got to be yeah more than I mean it's a really good it's a really good technique um but there's also I know there's got to be more for sure so that's definitely a basic one um I would also say I think it's called bellows breath I learned it in my yoga training and it's I have people do it at the beginning and end of class and it's just breathing in deeply, filling up your belly, filling up your lungs with air, letting yourself expand entirely, holding mm -hmm. at the top of the breath for a moment and exhaling out. Sometimes when you are experiencing stress or anxiety, holding at the top of the breath doesn't feel good. So you can always just breathe in, fill up and then exhale. And mm. I think it, it's nice when you're trying to create the inhale to be the same length as the exhale. That's kind of the goal in yoga when you're doing your ujjayi breath is to have the inhale and the exhale be equal. But when you're, you know, you're doing workouts and you're breathing hard, it's kind of difficult to create that equal inhale and exhale. So that's why choosing a yoga like hatha or um, not restorative, but hatha or yin is a little more accessible when trying to attain that equal in and out. The breath for me and my anxiety is so freakishly important. <laughs> For sure. Um, I had no idea. Feeling... That's why I couldn't exercise. Like yeah. my whole life, um, you know, I never realized that I had anxiety because I didn't really understand what it was until uh, probably halfway through college. Okay. And I always hated exercising. But the story and the narrative that I kind of told myself was, oh, I don't like exercising or athletics because I'm an artistic person. Mm. No, 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 no. That, those do not have to be mutually exclusive. For but sure. Was, 
what was happening was I was exercising and elevating my heart rate and my body because of the elevated heart rate thought it was having a panic attack for sure. And then I would actually have a panic attack attack actually have a panic attack while running on the treadmill. So learning how to control both my breath and my heart rate has been able to make um, such a difference in my overall fitness, which does contribute to my overall health and happiness, what have you. Totally. Like I was actually reading something today about a girl that was like a long distance runner and how her doing long distance running wasn't the most beneficial thing for her body and like her actual fitness goals because her body was in fight or flight mode. Oh, yeah. So a lot of people, right. So a lot of people find that they have the most, um, results when they start doing another form of cardio, like, I don't know, just going and doing Stairmaster, but you're not on level eight, you know, do level four, do level five and like, take it chill and build a slow heat. Same with like walking on the treadmill at like seven incline for like 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. That'll like build a slow heat, but you're not going to be breathing so hard to where you're like, oh my gosh, I, I feel like I'm freaking out. I'm having a panic attack. And I think I also struggled with the same thing. And I've even been in yoga classes, but specifically hot yoga classes where it's like a hundred degrees in the room and there's like 30 people and you're like, okay, I think I might die right now. (laughs) Um, yeah. And then I've only done that twice. I think, oh, literally some people love it. Some people love the feeling of like the sweat and the toxins coming out of you. Yeah. And that's so understandable. I mean, don't knock it till you try it. But for me, it was a claustrophobic type feeling and I was just not about it. And I I found myself just prioritizing my breath. But if I wasn't somebody who is, you know, dedicated to my yoga practice or, you know, wasn't on the path to being a yoga teacher, I probably would have been comparing myself to everybody in the room and thinking like, I can't keep up with everybody or, oh my gosh, I should do this pose like they're doing it or whatever. And that goes back to your yoga practice, your pratyahara, your inward gaze, focusing on, you know, where am I at right now? How can Mm -hmm. I focus on my inner world, my inner practice, and like just bring some calmness, bring some peace into that. Speaking of that inner world, I know that your specific yoga classes, um, you bring in sound healing, which always when I listen to your, to your music is it is it considered music or is it considered yeah sound yeah music sound mantra meditation it's kind of a you have an instrument you play you have singing bowls and then you are the most gorgeous singer on the planet and you always (laughs) bless us with your song I love that (laughs) even going to the karaoke bar last week (laughs) we loved it okay I have to tell this story um for everybody it was her 21st birthday karaoke night at the bar and I signed her up to sing uh was it video games yes video yeah. games by Lana okay. Del Rey <laughs> I I went up to the DJ and I told him to play the song for her and signed her up uh and she begins to sing and the literally the entire bar focuses in on her and by the end of the song everyone not just one person everyone had their phone out with a flashlight it was like <laughs> waving their flashlights like a like a concert it was the most beautiful thing how did you feel in that moment I mean it was a special moment because oh my gosh 21st and I don't really perform <laughs> in front of people anymore I definitely experienced a significant amount of um, trauma, I would say from doing theater. So mm-hmm. I think to be in an environment where it was just like low pressure, low stakes, it felt nice to like share with people. And I feel like that also kind of pairs with at the end of my yoga classes. Um, it's just to be in kind of a, I mean, obviously as the teacher, there's a little bit of a higher stake, but to know it's a, an environment where people feel like it's a special feeling to be sung to. 
I, I really enjoyed being able to share that to people yeah. with people. So, I mean, even though there were drunk people at the bar, like with their <laughs> lights, they still felt that it was special to be sung to. And I think that yes. that's kind of my intention when I do sing is that I, I, I am singing for a purpose. It's not just like, give me compliments, tell me I'm good. Cause that's mm-hmm. never really where I've been at and why I've done it. I think it's always been like a personal form of expression and artistry and it's never I've always tried to make sure it is not from a place of ego and it was actually really honoring to have one of my yoga students tell me the other day she's actually a philosophy professor at Cal Poly oh no way (laughs) yeah and uh, we were talking after class and she's like I just know you got no ego in this game and I really appreciate you for that and then she left and I was just like thank you you know so it was really affirming to hear that from somebody and you know, just to have that affirmation, I guess. Yeah. Your sound baths, your songs, um, when you play, I don't remember what your instrument is called. What is it called? It's part of a harmonium. It's basically like, it's like accordion meets piano and it's basically like the yoga instrument. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I love when you do that, it really does illuminate it helps me to, to look inwards and get in touch with my inner self. But I also think that at the same time as I'm able to connect and value what's going on inside of me, when you share your music, your sound, um, in bath form (laughs) or or in karaoke form, either way, your inner inner light is very um is very noticeable it's very clear it's like opening a curtain on a super super sunny day like a blackout curtain you know Mm. you pull it aside and you can see how it fills you know thank yeah thank you I really appreciate that I I think as I've stepped kind of out of the realm of theater and more into the practice of yoga and devotion in that sense and using my voice just to sound like me. I don't, I don't, I don't think this is a challenge to you, but what, what would you say if I, I'll offer, I'll offer you this. Okay. Um, you may be an artistic healer or an arts healer. How does that make yeah. you feel? How does that statement make you feel? I definitely resonate with it for sure. What what might it mean to you? I mean, I think that it just kind of gives me a sense of like I have put a lot of time and effort into my artistic endeavors. Um, but I haven't let that define me, I guess. And I've also put a lot of effort into the healing practices I've dedicated time and you know energy towards learning Mm -hmm. so I think it it does feel fitting to kind of create that title in a sense because I think those are two things I have really spent time cultivating and working on but I haven't really entirely um, you know given myself a title for it I guess and so well you don't need one yeah you don't need a title you don't need a label um for sure but, uh, you just do so many things which I which I <laughs> respect out of the wazoo um I mean we listed them at the beginning of the episode <laughs> you you are a Reiki master yoga teacher um would they also is it also yoga master no yoga teacher because I did a yoga teacher training yeah okay okay so um, a Reiki master, a yoga teacher, an herbalist, a, would, would it be a, a crystalist? <laughs> I haven't taken any sort of like crystal healing courses, but I've read a lot of books and I've always just kind of had like a lot of personal downloads with crystals and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I wouldn't say crystal healer, maybe crystal intuitive, but. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So when we talk about all those different facets of your wisdom, your experience. Um, there were 
just because I had the privilege of knowing you uh, throughout this huge growth phase, heck, high school and now into college, because um, you're you're pretty far along through college. Um, so my friend, I remember that when you were learning about these specific things like crystals, tarot, spirituality, yoga, Reiki, they did have, um, they did come along with certain life transitions, including like when you were, when you were learning a lot about herbalism and you worked at the tea shop. And I remember that being a big transition for you into the tea shop and out of the tea shop. So after all those transitions though, what I think is interesting about you and what has built you, what has built your character is that you never let any of those things go. You might've transitioned, but those interests, passions, and all of the life lessons you learned along the way are very much still intrinsic to who you are. So when you think about a transition or a life transition, um, what does that word, just plain transition, mean to you? I think Sorry, was that a lot? No, that was really good. I think um, in terms of transition, I would just say it's like it's the little it's a little purgatory you go through. Oh no, <laughs> nah, not purgatory, but like the the space in between, the space in between liminal spaces. A, yeah, liminal spaces between A and B, or chicken nugget and French fry, like. I don't know. <laughs> it's the moment two... when you pick up the French fry before you dunk it in the ketchup. You've yeah. chosen the French fry. Exactly. Sorry to choose something really childish and no! arbitrary. Oh my gosh, are you kidding? <laughs> we yeah, we do that here. Oh, yeah, we do so, that here. Inner child. Yeah. Is a so not not bestie. sorry. Not, not sorry. so now. <laughs> <laughs> you can cut that out because I'm not no. sorry. No. <laughs> but anyway. yeah. I would say definitely it's the it's the space in between and I feel like that's a lot of life is the space in between so learning to get comfortable in that uncomfortable space and knowing that you're going to make the best decision for you at the end of the day and as I started to kind of make these decisions for myself I used to feel like really stressed and worried and have huge panic attacks and really freak out about them but like as I progress through these different phases of the very short life I've lived, so I'm LOL 21, I, I really started to realize like there can be some peace that comes with these decisions. It doesn't mean that they're not hard. Um, but I think that, you know, with specific situations in terms of leaving for my mental health or leaving for reasons that have nothing to do with me but just knowing that I'm gonna be making the best decision I can to take care of myself at the end of the day Mm -hmm. and leaning into the peace that that provides me because truthfully transitions are never easy but when you realize that they're an essential part of your becoming and your life it's you know it's valuable to lean into them. I have a really hard time personally with um uh just I guess just generally like letting go I will almost always stay at a bad job for longer than I should hold on to those friendships that are not serving either of us anymore um and just try to hold on so tightly to to almost almost everything as as someone who um who does struggle with that myself, uh, what would you suggest? Cause I, I don't want I don't even know if letting go is the issue, but the habit of holding on is yeah. incredibly, uh, strong for me. And I'm really realizing that right now. And I know that I need to let go, but not only that I need to not hold on. Does that make sense? Yeah, that totally makes sense. I think that I mean, in situations where it's toxic and you know that you're not being your highest self and really fulfilling your personal calling, your personal mission, 
I feel like for me, it was easy to affirm like, yeah, this job isn't really fulfilling my highest good right now. And I'm not being treated with, you know, the utmost respect that as a person I deserve. So for me, it was not really as much of a being like, I'm letting this thing go. I just felt like for me, any specific moments, it was just like, I'm, I'm moving on to something else in my present space of being in this life. Mm-hmm. So kind of less focusing on, I'm not going to have this anymore. More of like, I'm creating room for something that's in store for me. That's in my near future. Yeah. Kind of Looking forward deal. to the future. Yeah. And not dwelling on either the past or the future, just kind of being open to what's happening in your present space staying present is like gonna be the best for your mental health and for optimal state of being and to be serving your highest self Um, for you what was one of the most important transitions you went through and how did you get through it I would love to hear that story Yeah. I mean, we've definitely talked about it before. I definitely would say leaving acting school and deciding to go to college was probably the biggest transition that I've been through. It caused me a lot of anxiety. It caused me a lot of worry. Um, You know, a lot of questioning myself and really thinking, am I making a big mistake? But Once I made that decision, the amount of relief I felt Mm. was like incomparable. I like couldn't even, I couldn't even fathom how relieved I felt. I literally had like the biggest panic attack in my life. And and then I just like, I knew I was like, I'm emailing them. I know I'm supposed to go back in two days, but I'm emailing them and I'm letting them know that like, I won't be coming. And it was a really hard decision, but like, it was the best thing I could have done for myself. And the way that I tapped into it was just really listening to what I needed and not worrying about what my classmates thought, not worrying about what my teachers thought. I really needed to focus in on what was going to be beneficial for me. And, you know, there was a lot of, how did you um, help yourself to focus down into your, into your own I think my time away from school really helped me do that. Visiting places that I felt like I actually could see myself because when I was within the walls of that school, I felt like I just didn't really necessarily belong there. It felt like it wasn't really a place where I felt like I could let the the inner light shine, if you will, mm. um, because there was, you know, a lot of, well, you could, with with artistry, you're always being questioned and I just wanted to just, just uh express and let be and and so I think I was tired of being questioned to what with what I was bringing to the table and I was just wanting it to be acknowledged not even like appreciated or like applauded over I just wanted to be acknowledged and to move on and so I felt like for me um making that transition was the biggest one and how I honed in on it was just really listening to what I needed and Mm -hmm. trying to obviously use my breath and spending time outside of school really helped me see that I visited slow a lot where do I live now I live downtown slow (laughs) Uh, (laughs) it was so beautiful part of I'd say like the freaking country yeah, it's a really special place. And so I visited here a lot. I would drive like 45 minutes so that I could just visit here and like go to a yoga class or like, mm-hmm. you know, go on a hike or just do something because I felt like this was actually where I was supposed to be. And so to think that it took me, you know, three months, not even that, like a month, I moved home for a month and then moved directly here after like it was definitely a special feeling because I I had changed my immediate reality so fast I said Mm -hmm. nope I'm not going to acting school anymore this isn't for me I'm starting community college and my parents wanted me to go to the community college attached to the acting school and I said no I'm not living at home I'm not you know doing what other people want me to do right now yeah you might think I'm uh, making a stupid decision I'm 18 whatever 
but I know that I belong in slow right now. I know my people are there. My community with yoga is there. And I, I just knew after I moved here that everything would fall into place. And of course the pandemic hit like immediately after I moved to slow, but I still felt like it was where I was supposed to be. And now that things are kind of blossoming here a year or not a year, like two, three years later, I'm really starting to um, know a lot of people, connect with a lot of community and really truthfully it was the best decision I could have ever made because now I'm going to Cal Poly in the fall. Wood, wood. <laughs> you're all my mater. Yes, go Cal Poly. <laughs> yeah, and just knowing that I am, I have, I have the capacity within myself and I am intelligent enough to I'm getting my bachelor's of science, everybody. I'm going to be, yeah. So, and I just felt like after the amount of amazing and horrible teachers I had, both in acting and theater and both in school as a public school student, I felt like the calling to be a teacher was something that felt good to me. Mm -hmm. And it just, it made sense in that transition because I wouldn't say my life, performing in theater is over forever I would just say like for now where I'm at is just wanting to learn and share and experience community yeah I love listening to your confidence it really does shine um in in the ideas of like okay like I I knew it wasn't right for me I knew what I wanted and um all of that I get really clouded. I feel like my, my, my discernment for myself gets clouded by the words of others a lot. So for me to just know that something is or isn't right for me, that's really hard for me to even tell. For sure. In the first place. So I have two questions for you. One, when something is not right for you, what is a red flag? When you're in a relationship with someone, you know, we say that there could be red flags. What red flags would you look at for your life experiences to know that something isn't right for you? For those of us who have a little bit of a tougher time connecting to our intuition. Yeah, I think, you know, like you said, in terms of the way you experience life, it's going to be different than the way that I experience it. Mm -hmm. But personally, I feel like something that has helped me because I do experience confusion and not knowing entirely what I should do. Um, I think just thinking about something, not letting your mind be completely overwhelmed by maybe what other people are saying as hard as that is, Mm -hmm. but just thinking of, okay, it can be as simple as, do I like apples? And you're asking yourself, do I like apples? Do I like apples? <laughs> and tapping in, it sounds stupid, but tapping into how your body feels it does as you're saying stupid. this, or in even taking it to the point of, I love apples. How's your body feeling? And your mm. body, your body is so smart. And I think sometimes our brains and our phones will get into the way of, you know, our primal instincts of, yes, I like apples. no. I don't like apples. And so there's something actually called muscle testing. I literally do it for the silliest things, but you can look up different ways of muscle testing. But basically I put my pointer finger and my thumb together and then I'll try it with you. you. And then you take your other pointer finger and Okay, this looks sexual, <laughs> but you <laughs> but you put it in in between these fingers, right? And okay. you'll be I'll be asking myself, okay, do I want to go get sushi? And you just put a medium amount of pressure in between these fingers, okay? And you pull, and so if it stays, that's a yes. You're if you're like, do I want to go get pizza? And that's- you'll have you'll have more breaks if it's a no. So that's kind of a way that I muscle test. Some people do it different ways. You can Google different ways of doing it, but literally I kind of do it to like figure out what I should eat because sometimes like with anxiety, I'll feel overwhelmed of what to decide to eat at home or where to go eat. And that's literally like the easiest way I can ask myself. 
So yeah, you can, you can use muscle testing to help you realize maybe if something's not for you, it's a, it's a good way to externalize the internal, um, the internal stress and the internal, you know, commotion that's going on just, and, and it's easy to use it for things that are as silly as where are we going to go eat dinner tonight? Or, you know, what should I have at Starbucks? But I think using it for things that are actually stressful is helpful too, because your body does hold so much wisdom and so much knowledge. Yeah. Your body knows and your body knows a lot more than you might think, you know, as, as a full person, you and your body are part of the same being, but we can get very disconnected from our bodies, especially when we don't have something like a regular yoga practice to help us regularly get in tune with our body, but Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean it doesn't work. And that doesn't mean it doesn't tell you what's up. Listening to my body has been so hard for me, but that is a beautiful, simple, easy to remember way that I can just ask myself yes or no questions. It's kind of like, I don't know, kind of like a body type deal. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. It's like your own body's pendulum and you can use a pendulum and have it for that reason too. Like you know, meditate with your pendulum or whatever, or sleep with your pendulum and have it kind of get in tune with your energy. And then when you are feeling stuck, being like, okay, yes or no. And it's like, of course, you shouldn't make insane life decisions based on a muscle test or a pendulum. I'm not telling anybody to go do that. But like, just to know that like, it is a tool to help you listen to yourself and maybe tap into what would be feeling better than how things feel right now. That helps me remember that my intuition is inside of me. And it's like in my, when I think of my intuition after thinking about the muscle test or something like that, it makes me remember that my intuition is like my gut. Whereas sometimes if I try to get too heady about my intuition, I think of it as like a cloudy haze external from me that I can't, Mm really touch or feel it even if I reach out to the cloud and maybe my hand will be a little damp but but I won't really feel anything does that make sense but my intuition is so much closer to me than I sometimes um remember it to be for sure it's easy to want to put things outside of ourselves and act like they're not already within Mm -hmm. and act like it's some sort of magical thing that one day I'll I'll finally understand who I truly am or one day I'll really I'll I get this and like people will like me but it's like you have that within you right now and and if the people around you don't understand you or the people that you're surrounding yourself aren't really in alignment with that or whatever it is it doesn't have to be people it can be how you're eating the way that you're dressing the hobbies that you're partaking in you always have mm-hmm. your own choice. And this comes back to something that I also really value is sovereignty. Even if you're in a relationship, you're still your own sovereign being. Your spirit and your right. body, you are your own person. You're your own sovereign being. So coming back to your sovereign self in a way that feels good to you and feels like, okay, this is in alignment with like my personal path. In yoga, they call it your dharma it's not really talked about in American culture as much, but, you know, finding your dharma and it doesn't have to be this super easy, like, oh, well, I've always really liked this thing. So this is what I have to do. Cause that's how I felt with theater. I felt like, right. Oh, there was I've one always- option. And if you yeah. make that choice, you can't ever, you can't yeah. ever question it again. You make the choice right. once and that's it. Mm-hmm. And that's, I not got a lot of- that's not how right. people work. Exactly. And you know, when you change your mind and you're feeling some type of way about things, there's always going to be judgment, but knowing that that judgment doesn't reflect the intelligence of you following what is your dharma, your life purpose, your path, because Mm -hmm. that is truly something special. And maybe that's why you feel like you see an inner light in me when I share, you know, the things that I've cultivated and the things that I really hold close to my heart. Maybe that's why you feel like you see an inner light, because I really do think that sharing, you know, compassion, kindness, advice, music, community is truly like my dharmic work here 
in this physical plane. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm getting really spiritual. No, with I'm the terms. so ready. Yeah, let's get it. <laughs> but, Maybe I won't understand all of it, but the context, like I'm getting it. Yeah, like, you're I'm here for it. the juice. Yeah. So I think for me, it's just kind of, um, it's about that. And I knew that when things didn't feel in alignment, it was time to tap into that transition. And so, yeah, transitions are essential. They are, they're there for you to get to where you want to go and where you want to go hopefully is your dharma and it's you sharing your light with the rest of the world. And when you're doing that, that energy ripples off onto everybody next to you. You know, that's, Mm -hmm. it's infectious. It's truly, it's true love. It's true joy. It's passion. And I think that when you're really focusing on that, it is a special kind of thing that it can't be tamed. So, and people can't take that away from you either. So just know that it might feel hard to make decisions, but you're always, you're always divinely guided and you're always going to be really choosing what is best for you. I love you so much, Claire. I love you too. Oh, my Claire Bayer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my friend. Honestly, thank you so much for being here. I, you know, I'm going through a lot of transitions right now. I feel like I've been going through so many transitions, just one after the other for the last year, you know, uh, student teaching, finishing the master's, moving to LA, um, getting engaged. And then now in like a matter of weeks now getting married, like having a lot of transitions, even from one family into another, you know, um, and I've been really scared and, uh, anxious about those transitions, but you've really helped me, uh, soften towards the idea of, um, transitioning. I don't think I'm someone who is normally afraid of change, but transition from one to the next I know can sometimes be, you know, not fun. Not every change is fun. And after talking to you, I feel like I'm just looking forward to those a lot more because it can be stressful and things, but embracing it and feeling, feeling the juice and appreciating the growth through the process um, can really, I mean, strengthen, strengthen anyone, anyone's heart. For sure. And can I actually ask you a question? Yeah, come on. Do you do you feel like as you've been experiencing these transitions and you are having these fears and worries come up that it is truly your own or do you think that it is a projection from people around you or a combination? Hmm. So, and- like I said, I'm not typically someone who is afraid of change. Yeah. But- I wouldn't I wouldn't say so either. yeah I but after um after the the multitude of changes coming at me one after another and the multitude of voices I'm hearing on a more regular basis I have I feel like accumulated a little bit of fear and remembering that change is one of my favorite parts about being alive I feel a lot more centered and connected to myself because I am I am someone who values change and the transitional period can be I I know I've said it already but juicy. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe juicy will be my word of the year. I like that. And and knowing that, you know, if there are these people that are the voices that are in your head as much as you can responding to those voices and those people with love not that you're not already doing that but just like I don't know I think there's something really special about smothering like people's judgments and people's opinions with really okay thank you for expressing that and sharing that with me I love you and we're gonna move on yeah love over fear right yeah love love over over fear. fear For sure. So, and also knowing that you deserve to love your own fears. 
Oh man, I've never heard that before, but that hit hard. That just hit me really hard. <laughs> Will you say that again for me? You deserve to love your own fears. I are part oh of you. Oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel like my whole world, my heart just like. I thank you, Claire. Of course. Dude, y'all, this is why, this is why she is a wonderful, lovely friend, person to know. Claire, for those of us who might be on the road or not close to the internet right now. Where can people find you so that they can also connect with you? I know you offer uh, occasionally like Reiki practices, yoga classes. Um, You also have like informational tidbits about herbs and crystals. Where can we find you in the Princess Podcast Kingdom? Yeah. So on the interweb of Instagram, I am am underneath the um, at... Crystalline Claire, so C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-L-I-N-E-C-L-A-I-R-E. Claire, like the early 2000s story, you probably got your ears pierced at. And then, (laughs) (laughs) so that's my personal account. And you can find a lot of information about my current yoga schedule and my highlights. And you can just follow along with the funky, crazy journey I'm experiencing. And then um, for some knowledge on crystals and herbs and such, I have another... A little page on the interweb Instagram mm-hmm. at um, Crystal C Apothecary. So Crystal, like it's normally spelled, and then S E A, like the ocean, and Apothecary. Um, so yeah, lots of fun info about that cool stuff on there. And Wonderful. you're always welcome, always welcome to reach out. So yeah, DM me. I'd love to chat with you about anything that you're going through or anything you have questions about. I want to be a resource and hopefully be a friend. Yes. And you are such a good friend. You know, like, I'm so happy you were here. Final question for you with this is uh, the most important question of the episode. Everyone gets asked this who comes on the pod. My friend, Pixie Princess Claire Lorraine, what is one tip you would give for living your royal life? Drum roll. Pata, 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 pata. Self care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what does that mean? Taking care of yourself, queen. You deserve it. Taking oh, care of yourself, yeah. royal angels and <laughs> kings. Y'all deserve it. So, whether that means sitting outside and getting some fresh air or taking a walk or eating a whole ass pizza and some ice cream, it's just, it varies day to day, you know? So, just really really honoring yourself and stepping into whatever self-care means to you. And if, if you it don't means... know, do a muscle test. Yeah, if you don't know, <laughs> do a muscle test. <laughs> oh, I love you so much, my friend. Thank you so much for you being too. here. Thank you for you... having me. Honestly, that was so amazing. This is going to be an amazing episode. What did I tell you? What did I tell you? Uh, I am recording this now, like I said, after a couple days after the recording of uh, this interview and listening to it again, it just has made me feel so much more positive. Like I said, I am coming off of a cold, so I <laughs> I was a little bit down in the dumps. It's a little bit harder to pull yourself back up um, when you're feeling a little icky, but Listening to Claire and all of all of her wisdom, acknowledging the things that she has helped me grow through, and I don't know, I'm just so excited for for us to continue uh, our friendship, and I'm so excited for you and I to continue our friendship. Speaking of that, we continue this over on social media on TikTok and on Instagram at Princess Project Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That would help me more than anything in the world. We've got quite a few projects cooking, like a little business and little different types of businesses. We are going to be busy here in the next two weeks at the Princess Project podcast. Then 
I'm gonna go on my... <laughs> I'm gonna go on my honeymoon. Don't worry, I'll still have an episode prepared for you for that. It'll just be, you know, pre-recorded. Maybe. Maybe I'll take it, uh, maybe I'll take my mic on the cruise and see who's around. <laughs> I wonder if that would be fun. Anyway, my darling, thank you so much for being here. I, I am so happy to be in a kingdom of friends, a kingdom of love, and a kingdom for you. And with that, don't forget to put on your crown, get out there, and live your royal life. Toodaloo!